0: Hello and welcome to No Rest of the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, and with me in the Rabbit Hole studio today, he is an accomplished filmmaker and the founder of Hustle Cake Productions, all the way from Los Angeles, Mr. Alex DeMarco. Hey, thank you, Jason, for having me on, man. I'm really excited. Thank you for coming, man. Yeah. I, I, all I, You were you were here in town for another interview, and uh, I'm so glad that we could make this happen. Yes. Really cool.
1: Thank you for being patient, and it's good to be in New York, you know? It's good, uh, good weather right now, and it's a little different from L.A., constant yeah. sun, so... Get a little seasons. Yeah, I figure, <laughs> um, uh, you know, the, the cold will wake you up from
0: the jet lags.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, a little bit. I'm, uh, like shivering myself awake.
0: I first became aware of you due to uh, Cine Summit online. Mm-hmm. So you interviewed, um, along with Blake Farber. That's how I, I met Blake as well, mm-hmm. and he's done three shows here. But uh, thank you so much for coming. I want to talk to you. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, upcoming projects and, and stuff like that. But I really just want to talk to you about you first and kind of figure out, like, how did you come to filmmaking? And, and what's your origin story, so to speak?
1: Firstly, it's it's awesome to be here. Um, this is an awesome podcast and a platform for filmmakers to share with other filmmakers, and I absolutely love that mentality, so just to be here is awesome. Oh, and, thank you. And thank you. Um, yeah, so I started uh, filming things when I was a young young kid uh, growing up, up outside of Philadelphia. I just had a VHS camera um, that was around, and I played with it and made shorts and things like that, and I just just kept going with it and uh i never really realized i was ever directing things and um you know it's just like a a creative person i would do like paintings pictures like whatever putting on plays acting classes like things of that nature and then it wasn't until my senior year of high school i was like filling in some like whatever filler course with video Mm -hmm. and my first day in video they started just explaining you know the syllabus or whatever i'm like Holy smokes! This is what I'm supposed to be doing for the rest of my life. I'm supposed to be directing. This is it. It's great when you uh,
0: when you get the bug early. Some people, you know, everybody gets it at a different time in life. Um, mm-hmm. I find that a lot of filmmakers, like if you go through historically, they it's like, oh yeah, I started making eight millimeter movies when I was a kid yeah. or VHS camera or something. There's a there's like an impulse, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, you know, some people call it, it's like it's almost like an infection that uh, yeah. goes through you. And, it bites uh, you. And uh, it, it's, it's terminal. It stays with you for, your, for the rest <laughs> Forever, of your life. And ever and ever. Um, Whether that's
1: a good thing or a curse, um, well, we'll find out.
0: So in terms of the type of work that you're doing now, yeah. um, you do a lot of music video work. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you doing longer narrative stuff
1: as well? So I've done two feature-length films. Uh, I did one while I was in college. I was 22 years old, and we raised a little bit of money, just around $8,000, to just put this thing together ourselves. The uh,
0: Robert Rodriguez budget. Yeah, the yeah. Rebel
1: Without a Crew. Yeah, I man. read that book, and that book inspired the the crap out of me. But um, uh, yeah, we, we put this project together. We had maybe like hundred total cast and like a small crew of all full time students, um, and use maybe like sixty different volunteer film locations. Put this thing together, and that was our first feature film. And then I went out to LA directly after that that period of time, um, and got hired onto another movie. This was significantly larger budget, probably around eight hundred thousand, and it was a dance movie. I'm not a dancer, but I direct a lot of music videos, and they saw these really cool, I guess, dance sequences done in more music video format. So that's kind of where I ended up kind of getting a leg up and getting that job on my first bigger budget feature film. So I've done it, two so th- far. So
0: you directed that as well. Yeah. You're kind of relaunching Hustle Cake at this mm-hmm. point. And, uh, you know, if you look on the website, he's got a great website. It's got a lot of music on there. Mm-hmm. Do me a favor, kind of tell me how that came about and tell me about some of the projects that you've done through that yeah. through that production company.
1: For sure. So uh, Hustle Cake actually started while I was in, col- in college in Pittsburgh. I was doing music videos as a way to kind of like pay for my books and my food and my rent. I think my going rate at the time was like two to three hundred dollars for an entire music video. Yeah. Show up, shoot it, edit it. You know that hasn't really changed much. But uh, just as in terms of how much work you put into these things and how many hats you wear. But um, I started doing more music videos just to kind of fund life, um, and I did that all the way through Pittsburgh in college, and then all the way out in LA, and continue to do it. And those clients and those budgets went from two to three hundred dollar budgets with. Uh, first time artists to you know 20 dollars 40 thousand dollar budgets with up and coming artists or established artists or things like that from that from that point i had started i, I was like okay i need to make this more legitimate like how can I take this up a notch? That's when I started a an, an official company, Hustle Cake, which was just to house music video projects. And we would get production insurance through the company and things of that nature, things that will protect you and filmmakers from liability and whatnot. And this isn't that so... It's not super hard to set something like this up. It really doesn't take that much research to get something like this going. And it added a lot of professionalism to me. as just a music video director because now I had a production company and that just... It it adds a lot to you value-wise and people look at you in a more serious kind of format. It makes
0: you more marketable as well, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I started Behind the Rabbit Productions, I had people asking me, what do you, what do you need a company for? And I was like, because it's not just me. Mm-hmm. Like, And I don't want to just be me and market me. I want to say, you know, if you hire us, you get a group of people mm-hmm. who know what they're doing mm-hmm. and, you know, have systems in place to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So you just seem like uh, it's it's more professional and, you know, I think everyone has this fear, too, like when they're hiring a video company or if they're trying to, you know, it's like, well, what have they done? And there's an insecurity mm-hmm. that you can hopefully alleviate right. by saying, you know, no, no, we're actually a production company. Right. We, we know what we're doing. Kind Here's of our website. Right. right. So from to in terms of music videos, you work with a lot of different artists. Mm-hmm. Can you give me some
1: highlights in terms of some of the successful ones that you've done? Uh, yeah, for sure. So uh, most recently... Um I guess I'll just start with the the major ones. I started doing music videos, uh, producing music videos for Wiz Khalifa and Taylor Gang and all their affiliate artists. Um, And then that kind of segued into co-directing a video for Wiz and Juicy J. And then that worked into what became uh, Khalid and Love and Ash and Baby Ariel and Jordan Jones. These are all just random names that people might know of, but mm. I've done music videos with them in as recent as this year or the last few years.
0: What was the kind of thing that um, separated you from other music video directors
1: or why, why do you think people wanted to work with you? Um, definitely my passion, and I know it, it kind of could sound like a cliche thing to say, but when people are putting together these projects, they're investing a lot of money ultimately to to help their artists become more appealing to, you know, their audiences or whatever. And you know, they, they need a serious director. They need someone who's going to take a vision and execute it and and push it all the way through. And when I speak with people and have these preliminary phone calls, I don't go into these phone calls like you tell me what's going on and then fit me in like a puzzle piece like I'm the person that go- gets on the phone call out of the gate and will just say, "Hey, this is what needs to be done. This is how I see it happening." These are all of the steps I'm going to take to execute this. This is the crew I'm going to work with here, talent options. Like That's just how I come out of the gate. I know for a fact this separates me from maybe someone who might be more reserved or again just waiting to be plugged in, being told what to do versus just telling your clients like this is a direction we could go with it.
0: Have you ever had any issues with that approach? Do people think you're too aggressive or you're trying to take too much control of the project? Or have you found them like sort of be relieved that they actually have somebody who knows what they're doing? I, I, I don't know. Maybe you have the latter for bo- sure.
1: Really? Yeah, the latter for sure. You can't do it in a disrespectful way. And if someone's like trying to talk on the phone or it's a conference call or whatever, like obviously keep your mouth shut and listen to what's going on. Like don't overstep. You got to be careful. There's There's definitely like a way to be professionally assertive, and then there's just a way to be a total jerk. And you got to know the difference between those, like, night and day, and don't ever cross over into the other side, not once. And I don't cross over. I don't find myself in those situations, no.
0: I think on CineSummit, you talked about developing treatments and yeah. things like that. So I remember uh, seeing that and thinking, wow, that's a really great presentation. Yeah. So a treatment is basically a, a summary of the project. Right. And you're you're giving people visual references. You're talking about the plot or the vision that you have for the, the concept and stuff. But... Uh, That's all stuff that you don't get paid for, right? Mm -hmm. So most of the time you're starting out doing a lot of
1: prep and a lot of work just to get the job. Right. I feel like there's a big misconsumption with, um, you know, uh, or a a misassumption um, with, you know, doing things that don't necessarily pay you. Like a treatment, for example. I put in a a ton of time to Pitch these things on spec. What what that would mean to somebody is that I'm doing this for free, and essentially I don't see it that way. What I see is that I'm being paid indirectly, or that payment for doing that treatment is deferred. Whereas I make this okay. Recently I did a, a couple treatments for Eminem, and I was really excited about those, and I, and I put everything I could into those. I, I absolutely love Eminem. He's a big influence of mine, and. I think I spent like two days on each treatment and I didn't hear back from either of them. And just the way it goes, I just didn't get those projects. But at any point when I was doing those, beginning, middle, or end, I just had really convinced myself that, okay, if this happens, like this did pay me. It paid me in a big way. I'm going to get a rate for doing this project. People are going to see this project and I'm going to get other pro- uh, projects and budgets from it. So this thing will pay me indirectly, maybe in multiple ways. Or, or
0: And so. I, I think that some that some. People sometimes miss that. Yeah, and, um, you know, if if you're a writer and you haven't, you don't have any credits. Uh, Don't expect anyone to pay you for a script until you have something to show them. And, you know, you do a lot of pitching in this business, whether it's a commercial gig or a music video Mm -hmm. or a feature or whatever. You know, Richard LeMay, when he was here, he directed Dementia 13, Mm -hmm. which was a feature for Universal. He went into that meeting with storyboards. He went in with that, you know, with a full and, you know, of course, he didn't even have the job yet. Mm -hmm. But. He had to say, hey, this is, this is why you hire me. Yeah. You know, And it makes everybody feel better. Like mm-hmm. They're investing in you, essentially. Mm-hmm. And if you can prove that, mm-hmm. great. Because yeah. they, they go, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. We can. Yeah. And also you, you can help them see it on paper. I, I think I've mentioned even like Ralph McQuarrie, who is the guy who made those beautiful paintings for George Lucas of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Star Wars doesn't get made. Without those proof of concept right. drawings, yeah, to say, hey, this is what the world is going to exactly. be like, you know. So uh, I, I took, you know, from your talk on Cynosonda, I said, you know, like this is the way I'm doing treatments from now on because this is great, mm-hmm. and uh, even doing things like lookbooks and. Mm-hmm. You know, storyboards or whatever you have to do to, to get the job, it will be worth it in the end. Yes. Also, I don't know if you found this, but have you ever prepped for a job, not gotten that job, but used that same concept or tweaked it for another job? Yes, 100%. So, you know, you already put the work in. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I've done that, too. I've yeah. talked to people who said, they, you know, oh, we want to do this music video or whatever it is put stuff down on paper, didn't hear anything, and then wound up doing it for somebody else because, like, yeah. I'm not throwing away a good right. concept. That's a great idea. You, know?
1: you took time coming up with yeah, that.
0: Exactly. You, you didn't buy it. That doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean I, I can't use it. It's still right. my concept. So uh, in addition to that, uh, you know, uh, we ask a lot of people here about advice. Like, um, you're doing this successfully. You're making a living as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. which is... It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, now you're in the L.A. market, mm-hmm. so um, I'm hoping I'm hoping you can bring in more L.A. fans of the show. Yeah, I don't know if they'll dig my New York style, but uh, guys, watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's you know it's a different market, right? I don't yeah. know if it's more or less competitive than New York because New mm-hmm. York is smaller. Maybe there's more people scrounge- scrounging for less jobs, or mm-hmm. but um, do you find that? with the, the these things that kind of set you above is, is there anything when you first started out because you started out a long time ago mm-hmm. even though you're a young guy mm-hmm. is there if you could go back in time and give yourself advice what would you say to yourself mm-hmm. like if alex if, 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 if alex now could talk to young alex what mm-hmm. would you say
1: yeah i think going back and kind of i mean that's such a interesting question to answer because I feel like there aren't that many things I would go back and tell myself to be like, yo, do this differently. One thing I would do differently is just be way more focused on health, like filmmaker health, because filmmakers wear way too many hats. And as the competition increases all around, because you have YouTube and gear is cheaper and to make professional stuff is cheaper and more accessible. But the competition is growing up on YouTube now and YouTube tutorials and things like that. So... I think it's really just don't be overwhelmed by things and learning how to like check yourself and your expectations. Because as a young filmmaker, you put on loads of expectations like I need to be this by this age or I need to be Damien Chazelle winning an Oscar at 32. Like shout out to Damien. But I mean, these. that's like a super rare instance. So maybe going back and telling my younger self, like don't put so much like pressure on yourself to like be a thing by any point in time. Let that drive you, yes, but don't let that land you in the hospital.
0: Yeah, I think you know when I was when I was making my first film, I was like the same age as Orson Welles, and I was attempting yeah. to make my Citizen Kane. You know, because you know he he, he had made there. that movie before he was twenty five, and you know I was like, man, if I don't make a if I don't make a feature film by the time I'm twenty seven, you know, right. which is insane. Right, it's insane it's to put lot. this stuff on yourself and. You're right. We do, and I know a lot of guys uh, because they're doing 15 different jobs a week. Uh-huh. You know, uh, you can really beat the crap out of yourself and have zero work-life balance. Big time. Um, and it's how do you manage that? Because you know, we have to go where the work is. We have to we have to be up for it when the work is available, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to say no a lot of times. Yeah, you know, we don't always have we don't always have the luxury of things like artistic integrity right. and you know like. I mean, um, my friend uh, who has like an office job said, "Oh, I'm going on vacation for two weeks." And I was mm. like, "That's a strange word. What, what, does yeah, that mean? what does that mean?" I've heard I've this heard of a such a paid thing. Vacation? <laughs> but, like you get paid to go Like <laughs> it, it's um, you know, because we don't get that. You know, yeah, you know, it's most very
1: non-traditional.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, but it's becoming the norm for a lot of people. Uh And I think we all have to, um, we all have to recognize that. And there has to be more systems in place to help people in our, that's why there's like the freelancers union. And, you know, there's different, like, especially in New York city, there's different laws for like paid sick leave and stuff. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't work 40 hours a week, just because, you know, it's, it was literally killing people and, and not to like, yes, do have ambition, do have discipline, but don't, do yourself in and put so much pressure on yourself because I think that's yeah. most of the pressure is coming from you mm-hmm. when you make a movie. Exactly. You know, you want to make this great thing and we all want to be, you know, Orson Wells or something but, you know, the, the fact is you may not have the resources. You, mm-hmm. may, you may just... There's some and there's some gigs you're like okay this is going to be as good as it gets mm-hmm. you know this is what they're paying for yeah and, you got to
1: rock those out
0: yeah and you know do the best you can but mm-hmm. you know if it if it doesn't look like you know uh, a Hollywood film at the end you didn't have the resources to do it mm-hmm. you can't kick yourself for it you know there's only so much you can do no question um, anyway so I wanted uh, I know that you have some stuff upcoming mm-hmm. so in terms of what you see yourself doing because we were talking a little bit before the show. What's next for you, and what what projects do you have upcoming? uh, Is there anything that you want to plug that's coming up or anything like
1: that? Uh, Well, at this current point in time I'm working on a music video for the band Slightly Stupid which I grew up listening to a little bit in the 90s. They were awesome. They're like a big jam band, ska music meets alternative rock. I don't even really know how to properly describe them, but they're very close with the guys from Sublime like similar music sounds. And the music video that I'm doing for them is pretty unique because it's like not in any way, shape, or form, like a comeback album or a video for them. It's just these guys have been touring non every year, both uh, internationally and nationally, for like twenty five years or something like crazy, like that. And this music video is all about them spending all of these years on the road together and kind of like touching back to them. Growing up and touring together, and I have all of this found footage of them. Oh, so you got know, like, like a documentary type vibe yeah, to it's, it. it's that it's sounds a really cool, cool fusion. I, I don't know how else really to to explain it, but that sounds awesome. That's one thing I'm kind of chucking away at, at this present moment. But um, and then do you see ahead. yourself
0: uh, eventually you, like you want to do features or television and things yeah, like that?
1: Yeah, no question. So um, my my goal for 2019 is to uh, launch my production company where I'll be um basically helming and developing narrative feature films and pilots it's something that i've been pretty much saving up to do my whole life um those two features that i did already they were big learning experiences for me the first one i made at 22 the second one i made at 23 wow and they were just there you can only really take in so much i feel like at those ages and you really need to like. Hammer out your 20s in, in film and everything before you can get to a point where you're like, all right, I feel like I know enough to like do it properly. Just to
0: be comfortable on the set. Right. You know, working with a crew and a full cast Big time. and just to have enough, uh, you know. Uh, gravitas and experience uh-huh. to you know so people go oh that's the director and right. you know like you don't have to be all seeing and all- knowing but you still it's good to have that and now you you shot so many things mm-hmm. that you feel comfortable doing that and mm-hmm. you're not like, the kid right you know i'm not the um, kid
1: director and and i don't have as many questions i feel like i've filled in the blanks with life experience
0: that's important that's really important i think and i think that's another thing like you were talking about you know putting your putting the pressure on yourself at an early age Mm -hmm. you don't have the life experience right to be able to do that you don't have enough it's like you know most young actors suck because mm-hmm. they don't have any life. They don't have any, like, they haven't been through it. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to, you know, it's like you're trying to, and, and when you're telling stories, like, if you don't, if you haven't lived your own story, mm-hmm. it's really hard to tell somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Because you 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 have to be able to relate to it mm-hmm. on a human level mm-hmm. and just, you know, get the emotional impact of it and figure out, you know, uh, you know, yeah, this is how these people would act. Because when this happened to me, you know, like, you can relate your own life experience. And when you're, you know, when you're 22, you have no, life. I mean, right. it's like whenever when you're a teenager, everything is a tragedy because right. nothing's happened to yeah. you yet. You know, it's like when you're 16. You and,
1: have 16 of known years of your existence. Right.
0: right. you're 16 or 17 and you, that girl breaks up with you or whatever, <laughs> it's devastating because that's never happened to you before. Right. You know, by the time you're 27 or 37, it's, it's, it's a whole different ball yeah. game.
1: you know. It's borderline the norm.
0: Right. You've been, you've been through it before. And, I, I think that's that's something that uh, a lot of beginning filmmakers don't give themselves the, the time to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can grow up pretty quick in this industry. Like, it, obviously, you did. You directed a feature at 22. That's insane. Yeah. You know? I mean, I was doing things at 22. That was also insane. Yeah. You know? But... Uh, just not on the screen. Yeah. I, well, no, no. I mean, well, back then, at the, that's another story. But I was I was directing plays and stuff. You know, I was directing, like, oh, full-length plays when I was, like, 21, cool. and 22, and working with actors who had been acting longer than I'd been alive. Yeah. and That's you know, pretty neat. And somehow having the gumption to think that I knew what the hell were I was doing. Were
1: you nervous doing. when you were working with, like, directing actors twice your age? I was too dumb or? to
0: be nervous, man. That's I, pretty interesting. I, I had the... Uh, the the one good thing about being young and stupid is that you're not smart enough to realize what you don't mm-hmm. know, and you you have that uh, you know it's like the the, the confidence that, that comes with ignorance. because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like when you're directing your first film, you probably mm-hmm. you're probably the same way. Oh, I know, I know what I'm doing. I'm, yeah, I'm made, gonna figure it out. Yeah, you know, and then. It's not really until you're in the weeds and you get into it that you're like, oh, my God, you know, I don't know what I'm doing.
1: That type of confidence definitely gets you through those projects, like no question. And whether it's blind confidence, like whatever, you're executing something and then you can take from all of that learning – hands-on learning experience and apply it to things down the road that you really want to be serious and take your time with versus not doing those things and constantly second-guessing yourself like should I make this short? Should I make this feature? Should I hit my friends up and just put this thing together this summer? Like the question is duh, yeah, do it. But I feel like as we get older, we're able to know more, learn more, whatever, and we give ourselves more excuses not to do these things. So when I, it's interesting looking back now at 29 I did this feature at 22 and then a another feature at 23 and i'm like yeah a little bit of blind confidence for sure but i'm i'm glad i kind of had that
0: yeah because you know if if you didn't you'd probably just be a nervous wreck and you wouldn't be able to do anything 100 percent. It, it, you know, but you know and you i bet you that you look back at those films now and you think oh i could have done this better without you know? question i mean i look at my first film and you know it ain't on the resume no yeah. more it's, you know but you you look at it and you go okay you know anything like, yeah. I, you, there's so many things that i would do but you know, you're a different person. So, and hopefully, hopefully, but you know, from the time you're 22 to the time you're 32, is a huge learning curve. You know, Big time. you know, so you were like a different person between mm-hmm. those ages, and you know, you do need this. And I think there's there's a battle now between like the DIY generation mm-hmm. of like I got to get this done now right. versus I want to get this done right. Right. And you ha- you kind of have to pick Very your battles, yeah. In terms of like. Well, you know, I probably shouldn't start this full-length TV series because I'm not going to have the resources to really carry it through. Yeah, to like really do it. But let me put it on paper and pitch it to somebody and see if they believe in it and see if they want to, you know, pay for it and Mm -hmm. you see if it has legs and then you start developing a business plan for your projects and not just – making stuff right you know but you know when you're young the thing is like yeah you got to make stuff mm-hmm. you know it's so depends on what stage of life that you're at and i think you're getting to that point where you're maturing where you're going mm-hmm. okay this is stuff i can make this is stuff i should make exactly. this is what i get paid for yep. and then here's the long-term stuff that yeah. hopefully i can work toward And may and we all go through that mm-hmm. we all we all go through each one of those levels and hopefully You know, you get to the next step, and and that's part of what this show is about, is hopefully helping people to get to to the next step. Yep. Um, But uh, i got to wrap up, man, but thank you so much. Um, Before I I do, where can people find you on the web?
1: Yeah, cool. Um, Find me on the web at alexdemarco.com or follow me on Instagram at alex-demarco.com. D-I-M-A-R-C-O. And Jason, thank you for having me on, man. This has been awesome. And thank
0: you for coming, man. This has been great. and So so glad we could be a part of your New York experience, yeah. you know what I
1: mean? I'm already starting to get cold, man. <laughs> I'm trying to get back to this California weather. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get you
0: invested in some sweaters, bro, uh, next time you come out. Uh, uh, anyway, thanks for coming and uh, thank you for uh, taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more episodes of No Rest of the Weekend, you can always find them on our website, btrp.nyc. You can also listen to us on all the major podcast channels, including Anchor iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, we're everywhere. Uh, we appreciate you listening, and uh, thanks so much. Once again, I'd like to thank my guest, Alex DeMarco, for Behind the Rabbit Productions. I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for, for joining us, and we'll see you next time.